I don't want to be surrounded by Harvard people. That grinds my gears. So, like, why is the game being held at Fenway Park? I'm really angry because I woke up at 6.30 in the morning to get in line, but so many people skipped me that I still had to miss my 1 p.m. class. There should not have been a line. Wasted so many collective student hours. I'm going to sneak in without a ticket. And it's not going to be worth it to sit in the stands and watch us lose. Hi, I'm Allison Park, a staff reporter at the Yale Daily News, and this is Cross Campus, a YDN podcast. Steeped in history, the Harvard-Yale football game is one of the oldest, grandest traditions in college athletics. Each year, the Harvard-Yale game alternates being hosted at New Haven and Boston, but for the first time in the game's 134-year history, the game won't be hosted at Harvard Stadium. Instead, it's going to be hosted at Fenway Park. This decision was announced amid plans to renovate Harvard Stadium. But what's interesting, however, is that Harvard hasn't begun renovations on its stadium. This has left students and alumni questioning as to why this location change has taken place. Alongside the logistics of playing the game at Fenway Park, the Boston Red Sox ballpark, one of the biggest questions about this year's edition of the game was how the university would handle ticket sales. This year, there are two problems. One, there will be roughly 500 fewer tickets available than in previous years to Yale students, which is odd since Fenway holds 7,000 more people than Harvard's own stadium. Secondly, under the new tiered system, the date when you can pick up your ticket depends on whether or not you have attended a certain number of games in the past. Some students, like my co-producer Brandon, had attended enough games to avoid the long lines entirely and bought his ticket the day before official sales. Long story short, students and alumni aren't happy. Some students won't be able to sit with their friends. Others stood in the ticket line for literally four hours and didn't even get a ticket. And just the bottom line is many people won't be able to participate in this long-loved tradition. I have two of our reporters here to discuss their behind-the-scenes coverage of the story. I'm Lorenzo Arvanitas. I cover the provost's office in sports administration. I'm Jeva Maribala. I'm the student life beat reporter. If you had to think of a, a quote that encapsulated the frustration that you heard of these students who were waiting for four hours in line, like what would you say the most common phrase was? Well, many students told me that they didn't even like football, so they were like, why am I standing in this line anyway? And But some students were actually kind of happy to miss their classes, but oh, yeah. Dean Chun wasn't when I told him about this. Oh, was he there? Um, so when I met him this week, uh, I told him about the fact that many students had to miss classes for the game, and he was actually very surprised at this fact mm-hmm. and kind of disappointed um, mm-hmm. by the fact that students had to sacrifice their academic mm-hmm. work to stand in line. Yeah. Um, many was, was he disappointed at the logistics um, and how poorly it was executed or at the fact that the students were not prioritizing their academics? No, he understood that this is an important event for students, but what he expressed frustrations about and disappointment about was the fact that the students um, were forced to kind of make mm-hmm. this decision and about the logistical difficulties that he didn't actually uh, know about. But this level of frustration doesn't just end at the student level or the administrative level. It also seeps into the alumni network. And so the tickets to the game sold out within days, and many alumni didn't actually get the chance to purchase tickets, leaving many of them frustrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Would you say that the Harvard-Yale game is a big alumni cultural event? For sure. Mm -hmm. It definitely is. And the alumni that I talked to, one of them, for example, was saying that he's been to almost every single game for the past 60 years since he graduated Mm -hmm. from the school and that it's definitely an event where he can congregate with his friends and like have fun and just like remind himself of like the fun times of his experience here at Yale. 
And um, I think with the students to, who have experienced these frustrations, the only ones who don't seem to be complaining as much are the first years. Um, but that's probably because they haven't experienced the normal ticketing process. But also a lot of them told me that um, it seems like the game is a rite of passage and uh, it seems like a social event that everyone just goes to. So most of the people I interviewed ended up being first years. And later when I interviewed seniors as well, they expressed their frustrations that by the time they got into line because they didn't show up at 5 a.m. like mm-hmm. others, the tickets were sold out. So many seniors who thought that they should be the ones watching the game because it's their last year as Yale students watching the game, they should get tickets, but they couldn't. Wait, so was the ticketing process just kind of based off of first-come, first-serve, whoever was in line at 5 a.m. first type of thing? It wasn't based on seniority or anything? It definitely wasn't based on seniority. The day before the ticketing process happened, uh, some students set up a Facebook event called the Yale Ticket Campout just for their friends and for them to go. But it ended up um, going viral almost on Facebook. So many, many students, like hundreds of students, showed up at 5.45 a.m. to stand in line. And whoever got there first got the tickets. Mm -hmm. Another big complaint that we heard from students was that in order to be able to sit next to their friends, they had to purchase tickets together with their friends. And this is because for the first time ever, seating is going to be assigned for the game because of Fenway's policy. And so <clears throat> most many students were frustrated at the fact that they had to not only wake up early and stand in line for hours on a cold October morning, yeah. but also like stand in line with their friends um, who may have had class or may have not had the chance to actually be there. So it was definitely like... not an okay I don't know just yeah and um, to deal with this problem um, some Yale students took it upon themselves to help others uh, figure out their seating arrangements because everyone wants to watch the game with their friends Uh, so the whaling crew actually set up an online ticket exchange platform on Facebook called the Yale ticket exchange uh, where students can post which seats they have and which seats they want to have just so they can exchange tickets and get tickets with their friends Mm -hmm. Yeah, so personally, I mean, I feel like it's hard enough for me to wake up at for my 9 a.m. every day. So what about the Harvard-Yale game and the tradition makes people or entices people to get up at 5.45 a.m. and sit through this four-hour line and then still end up going and having a good time after all of that? I mean, it's definitely the biggest game of the year, and it's a huge tradition that everyone likes to be a part of. Not only is the game something that like many people look forward to, but lots of people also look forward to the festivities that proceed. Yeah, so what kind of festivities are are you mentioning? Right, so I'm alluding to the tailgate, and actually something that's kind of interesting is that the Harvard administration doesn't actually call it a tailgate, because their official policy, because they don't, so the Harvard administration doesn't call it a tailgate because they don't actually recognize it as such. Instead, it's a social event. This is the quote that I got from uh, Harvard administrators that I sourced interesting, huh? when, when writing my story. Okay, are you guys going to the game? I am. I didn't get a ticket. No. Okay, <laughs> you were live reporting. I was in live reporting for yeah. an hour and I didn't get a ticket. <laughs> are you are you hype for the game? Um, I mean, I don't know if that's the right so word. You're doing all this digging? Yeah, I, I have a ticket. Um, I don't know whether I'm going to sell it or not. At Harvard, <laughs> students have been actually scalping their tickets. What? And so there have been, like, stories of Harvard students selling their tickets for, like, $100, $150, which is, like, drastic, exactly, <laughs> drastically more than the $25 ticket price. Wow. So it just goes, I guess it just speaks to the demand and how much this tradition is valued, would you say? I mean... For sure, for sure. Lot, and I definitely yeah. think that, like, with 
with hosting this event in a new location, which is like Fenway Park, like a historic baseball uh, field. There's definitely a lot of like, there's definitely been heightened publicity surrounding the event. It's like worse than housing draw. That was my friend Lindsay Jost telling me her take on the ticket line experience. There's people waiting in line from 5 a.m. with tents. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is not like a, like, Justin Bieber concert. This is a football game (laughs) where some people don't even make it to the game. Like, (laughs) I have a handful of friends who never walked into the doors of the Yale Bowl last year. (laughs) And it's just, like, you get there. I get there. And it's wrapped all the way around Payne Whitney, all the way back, probably all the way back to, like, where, like, the frats are on, like, Lake Place. I'm like, this is a disaster. There's this dilemma of everyone's pissed because people are trying to cut line, but some people went super early in the morning to save a spot in line for friends. Like, you think that, like, housing draw brings out the worst in people? No. This ticket line was the absolute, like, bottom of male humanity, (laughs) and we did not pass. Oh, no. Like, we all just Uh need to chill. Like, we're going to all get tickets. Like, if you got there, you're going to get a ticket. Right. Like, it's going to be fine. In addition to all these issues with Fenway, star defensive lineman and football captain Kyle Mullen isn't on the team and hasn't even been at school since August. Our university beat reporter Serena Cho reports. We confirmed from two sources who are familiar with the allegation that there was an ongoing investigation from the university-wide committee on sexual misconduct um, because there was a formal Title IX complaint filed alleging that... um, Kyle Mullen had um, committed penetration without consent. University Beat reporter Alice Park tells us what Mullen's absence means for the team. So Mullen was a defensive lineman on the team. Um, He was elected captain last November by his teammates just two days after our team won the Ivy League championship outright. Um, defeating Harvard 24-3 at the annual game. As a junior last season, he started all 10 of Yale's football games, and at the end of the season, he earned second-team All-Ivy recognition for his performance. And without him, as well as the absence of seniors who graduated in the spring, the defensive line this season has struggled to kind of oppose offenses on other teams. And while it's hard to attribute performance to one player specifically, Team 146 this season has definitely struggled more to contain opposing offenses. In August, Lorenza reached out to President Peter Salovey, who did not respond to a request for comment. Dean of Yale College Marvin Chun could not comment on individual cases. Lorenzo then reached out to Director of Athletics Victoria Chun and Director of Sports Publicity Steve Kahn. All of them declined to comment on the questions that we sent them. The only one that gave a bit of a longer response was Coach Reno. In an email to the news, he wrote, quote, I have no comment about Kyle. I am focused on preparing team number 146 for the game this week. Roll dogs, end quote. Some might say that these problems with Fenway were inevitable. But I mean, I think we can all agree that we never would have had this problem if we just always hosted it at Yale. We'll see. That's it for this episode of Cross Campus. I'm Allison Park, and I'll talk to you in our next episode.